Safe Talk with SafeStart. I'm Danny Smith. And today, the consultant spotlight shines on Mike Shaw. Mike has been involved with SafeStart since 2014, and his interest in safety peaked as he was recovering from a very traumatic skiing accident that happened back in 2013, in which he became paralyzed from the neck down. Now, his unbelievable recovery provides him with a very unique perspective on human performance and error. Mike is also the author of Never Part of the Plan, a story of courage, resilience, and gratitude. Before his accident, Mike went from skiing at provincial, national, and international levels into coaching uh, in the skiing world. Mike has also shared his story in a TEDx talk uh, called Grief Happens. And if you've watched or listened to any of the episodes of Larry Wilson Live or our expert panel discussions, which Larry has conducted, you may recognize Mike's name as he He's the producer of those events. Mike has also, uh, through the years, trained all sorts of people, including athletes, uh, including some that have achieved uh, Olympic medals, which is really, really cool. So uh, maybe that's a great place to start. First of all, Mike, uh, welcome to the podcast. And uh, maybe by, by way of introduction, uh, how many medalists do you think you've worked with now? Hey, Danny, thanks for having me on the show very much. It's my great pleasure to be here. So how many Olympic medalists? Well, I think the total number is in, is about 13 Olympians wow. and five medals between the, between the lot. And a hundred percent of those Olympians have either taken safe start or head start pro at some point along the way. Some of them, it was technical ski coaching, but a lot of them, it was just the, the mental performance and obviously safety and freestyle skiing is a huge consideration. So that's pretty amazing. In addition to everything else that Mike has going on, he also has now recently joined our virtual consulting team. And Mike, you probably heard of how we do this with our consultant spotlight. We ask the same five questions of each of our consultants, just in an effort for our listeners to be more familiar with you. Uh, now, I know how you got involved with our team, but uh, you often mention that your safe start journey really began with just a simple question. So why don't we start there? What was that question? Oh, I know exactly what you're referring to. The, the question was, how can I teach this to my team? And I asked Larry Wilson in 2011 that question while I was standing in his kitchen at his home in Whistler. He lives in Whistler, British Columbia, which is where I was based out of at the time, coaching at the national development level. So I was the head coach of the, the BC team, which was the elite provincial high performance team at the time when I met Larry. And Larry's boys were on the team. I was picking them up for a training session and I, when I asked, what do you do for a living? That was the first question, actually. And I was in for it, learning about Safe Start directly from the source. So before you go any further, I got to interrupt you. I got to ask, did you make it to practice on time? I mean, Larry is pretty passionate <laughs> about these concepts. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a short conversation. I thought it was going to be five minutes. It could have easily been five hours, but um, we did make it on time. And his explanation of the Safe Start concepts opened up a great conversation for me. I remember he handed me a Safe Start card and explained the state to error pattern to me. And I read it and immediately asked Larry, I think it was, did I ever tell you how I broke my ankle? And then I told 
my first ever safe start story because um, my competitive career was cut short due to in injury. Freestyle skiing was my sport and freestyle skiing is not free. Let me tell you, you pay for it. And um, over time, and for me, I had uh, numerous injuries, but the one that probably altered the trajectory of my competitive career the most was I was training um, at a gymnastics club. We used to use trampolines a lot to learn some of the acrobatics for freestyle skiing. And it was the first night of the trampoline training, but I was, I mean, I was familiar with the environment. We used it plenty of times, but because it was the first time I was at the club that season, I was really excited. And, um, we had a, are a number of different athlete groups that sort of broke up into stations. And my station was this double mini trampoline, which is a two-stage trampoline. You actually run down a floor, jump onto an incline trampoline off the ground, which is like a two foot by two foot square you land into, and it pops you straight up in the air and you land on the same trampoline again, and then bounce off into a foam pit, which sounds safe, right? Well, this foam pit, we would usually land on a foam pad on top of the foam. And in my haste, I, I didn't look into the pit and the whole look before you leap. Ooh. <laughs> try. It's a good safety related habit. And yeah. I didn't, I didn't look at where I was landing and the, those pads weren't there. And so I ran down, um, down the end run bounce, bounce nice and high executed a one flip with a half twist and landed on my feet and my feet actually pinholed through the foam and impacted the bottom of this pit, which, um, was concrete Ow. and I hit hard. And I remember being pinned and the foam pit is filled with sort of one foot by one foot cubic blocks of foam. And I just, I went right through a pocket, I, I suppose. And um, maybe a bit of bad luck, but I know that if I had just inspected my area before I decided to go and do this, um, acrobatic flip that could have totally prevented. I mean, in the end, it was just an ankle and I've, you know, I've I skied away from it years later and it changed my trajectory into coaching. I think things, you know, things could have been worse certainly, but I got, I mean, that, that injury changed the course of my my whole skiing career. And so that was the first day start story. I told Larry rushing and complacent mm -hmm, and sure. not, sure. not observing just a classic safety related habit or practicing a safety related habit that you always should to look before you leap. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's funny with that too. It'd be easy to look at that and say, Oh, well, that was the equipment. But no, if you've, like you said, if you just take it a second there and looked, that's all it would have taken. Right. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. But after, after all that, I asked Larry if I could teach safe start to my team because of my personal experience, but I knew that it could help my athletes and not only with pre preventing injuries, um, the States like rushing frustration, fatigue, and complacency they're with an athlete in the start gate as well. And if you can help control those human factors ahead of the performance, you can perform at a higher level just because you're making fewer mistakes. And then of course there's the safety benefit. So he said, yes, but he also said he didn't really think it applied to sports until as we sort of explain it until I explained it that way. 
And regardless, he was game for us to try it. And now, unfortunately, I didn't get to take the training or deliver it to my team at that time, because as I mentioned, I got a promotion and moved up the coaching ladder to work with the Canadian development team level. When I found out about Safe Start, I was on the provincial circuit. And looking back, that could potentially be one of the biggest regrets I have in my life. I can imagine, you know, looking back, it's funny you say that's one of the, the biggest regrets that you have in your life, because obviously there you've had some 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 very tragic things that have happened, including your your life changing accident that happened back in in 2013. I guess that was December 2013. Um, I mean, how do you think Safe Start could have helped kind of prevent that accident or or walk us through that a bit and and some of the things that were going on there and how that really relates back to the concepts that we talk about with safe start this is really what um brought me to safe start in the first place anyway in, in 2013 11 years ago i was coaching the national development team on a ski trip in colorado and we had a routine training day in the half pipe for the morning. And then in the afternoon, I got to go skiing with a, a small group of my athletes. And I was demonstrating a trick for one of my skiers that I landed the run before and um, he crashed on behind me coming down. And so the next time around, when we'd gone back up to the top and come down to this particular point on the mountain, I said to, to the guys, okay, like I got it last time you, you go first this time. And I coached Lucas through the trick he was doing, then Garrett, which is the same trick I was working on. And then it was my turn to go. And I remember both the guys landed their tricks, bang, bang. Yes. Yes. You know, for me, that was exactly what I was looking for. And so I set off down the hill and I remember thinking at the time, like, okay, what am I doing? What trick am I doing? It's 720 again. And I, I sort of rushed my pre-performance or my drop-in routine because usually I would get all this done and out of the way at the time so I was I was jumping ahead a little bit and I could have easily stopped and just slowed down and composed myself but my mind went to well the guys are already gone I've got to catch up sure and it's a trick I've done a thousand times as well I had done it the first 720 which is two full rotations, 720 degrees of rotation, taking off forwards and landing forwards. The first time I did it, I was 14. And at the time I was in my late twenties and I'd done thousands of them. And I just said, you know what, I just got to go catch up and I ended up performing the trick. I came around from it, expecting to land on my feet and I ended up landing and then immediately getting sort of uppercut to the face by the ground. Like I, I pitched violently forwards onto my head and neck and my feet came up like a scorpion tail in that action. And it was like instant, this brief, but sharp pain in my neck. And then I was tumbling downhill and I was un, out of control. And my mind was racing going like, what just happened? A brief, but sharp pain in my neck. And then nothing, Danny, I couldn't stop. I couldn't slow down. I slid to a, to a stop finally face down in the snow with my ski goggles down over my nose and mouth, breathing into them, just panting like, no, 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 God, no. Because I knew in that moment that I had just broken my neck, a brief but sharp pain and then nothing. And I couldn't roll over 
I couldn't get up. I couldn't bounce back. Like I'd done so many other times in, in skiing and my world just came crashing down. Sure. I was par I was paralyzed and I couldn't just move my legs. I couldn't move my arms either. And <clears throat> my athletes at that point came to my side and they, one of my friends actually, who was there with us, he held me in C spine until the first responders got there. And I'll never forget the first words that came out of the, the ski patroller, who's the on site, the on hill medic. He called for all the backup he had. He needed all hands on deck. He needed the on hill doctor because he had a code black. And I went, oh, no, code black. You couldn't give me any other color. Yeah, really. I mean, <laughs> that sounds, that sounds serious. And I, I joke around a little bit about it because it was, it was heavy. They, they put me on a spine board and into a helicopter and flew me to Denver where I had two titanium rods and 10 screws surgically installed in my neck. And this is my only hope for physical recovery. And now I can thankfully say that I, people, even with a trained eye, sometimes have a hard time picking out my uh, deficiencies. I'm still an incomplete quadriplegic, but I've had a remarkable recovery from my accident. And looking back when I say like, it was a, it was a regret not getting to take the training. Like I can't say for sure, but I really do believe that it couldn't have helped or it couldn't have hurt having safe start. It could have only helped because like that day, what were my States? Mm -hmm. I was Definitely thinking rushing, I needed to just catch trying to get up. down the hill, right. Trying to get, get it up to your teammates. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I'd done it a thousand times and, I mean, I didn't ever, um, I know now looking or after reviewing with my athletes and looking back, but I landed in a, in a less than ideal spot on the mountain, which caused me to pitch forward. Like I mm. thought I was landing on my feet. And so the thing that, are, that, um, was a massive sort of eye opener for me is that it wasn't a matter of skill. It right. wasn't because I didn't know what I was doing or didn't know how to do a 720. It's, it's normal for you to screw up when you're learning, but I had done this a thousand times and I had done things that were far more high risk or far more dangerous on a pair of skis. And so looking back, it wasn't the level of risk or danger. It was complacency and rushing sure. yeah. that ended up getting me and not fully being aware of my surroundings or, but I, I know that had I self-triggered or had I had a better habit and a better habit still with inspecting my environment, because it was kind of the same safety related habit that I didn't practice in the foam pit incident that got me again here, because I had not fully looked at the, the environment I was skiing in. And that was sort of my, my work site, if you will, that was where I was working that day. And when when I landed uh, where I did on the mountain, even though I performed the trick with, with good skill, it was, um, it was really unfortunate how it all happened. But when you sort of long, a long story short, and you fast forward 11 years from where I first met Larry, I've helped Larry and safe start now train over 10,000 athletes with Head Start Pro Performance Training Program. That's the spinoff of uh, using Safe Start concepts in sports, which I've been so lucky to be a part of. And I've reached now, now it's thousands of 
employees and trainers with safe start so i couldn't be happier to to be here and be having this conversation with you i really feel like i can make a difference and prevent accidents like mine from happening to others Sure. Yeah. And you, you think about that, you know, for some of our listeners, they may be saying, okay, well, I'm not going to be trying to do a, a 720 while I'm skiing, or if I've ever even strapped on a pair of, of snow skis, right? But uh, at the same time, at the root of that was a bit of those human factors. You mentioned the rushing and the complacency and how that that affected you in the moment. And we know that those same things can affect us in, in any environment, not only at work, but, you know, while we're out driving or, or while we're at home, wherever. So uh, it's, it's, it's a different environment. Yes. From what a lot of our listeners may be thinking about as far as their quote unquote work environment, but it's still human factors. Right. Uh, so, well, let me ask you this. What do you think is, is really unique about the safe start process? And what, what is it that you just love about the process? I think for me, it comes down to making safety personal. And I love how there's a ton of value for each person at a company and, and their families too. Safe start improves each individual skills. So you're really working with each person to give them an improved skill set and personal ability to manage their own safety. And now this comes from my coaching background, but impressive teams are made up of impressive individuals. And in the same light, impressive companies are made up of impressive departments. Impressive departments are made up of impressive people. Sure. But when it comes to going back to a bit more of the coaching sort of ideology. When it comes to performance, you're talking about specific skills, work ethic, things like accountability, trust, a shared vision for the team, and working interdependently towards that shared vision or the goal. Those are all good things. But if you're training people about performance and you don't reach everyone and someone makes a mistake, it's just your performance or the outcome that's on the line. But with safety, if you don't reach everybody and give them personal safety skills and they make a mistake, it could be their life on the line. So the importance of giving individuals the skills to improve their safety behavior to me is it's, it's paramount. Sure. Um, safety behavior 24 seven is critical. And so for me with safe start, I'd say that's got to be the biggest, uh, the, the biggest thing that I love with the process. You know, it's funny, you know, as I've worked in industry for years and, and worked in, you know, operations and in safety through the years, uh, I've always seen kind of feeding off some of the thought process you were going through there, you know, I've often seen that the outcomes that we see, and this comes come back to our kind of our human factors framework as well. I mean, you, you look at those desired outcomes and trying to get those reliable outcomes, be it in safety, quality, performance, efficiency, you name it. Um, you know, so many times it does come back to recognizing how those human factors affect us in those areas. And you mentioned that, you know, it's the, you know, the, I think your, your, your line there was uh, impressive teams are made up of impressive individuals. And then you kind of extrapolated that out a bit, you know, to the company and to the department and to the individual work team. And I've seen that so many times, you know, you, you often see that, well, your, your safety safest team also produces your best quality and 
you can go on down the line. We could talk about that for hours, uh, but it's so true. Uh, and a lot of it does come back to how these human factors affect us in so many different ways. So let me shift gears on you just a little bit here. Um, what would you say is the most important part of your life that Safe Start has had an impact on? One that I've been recently talking about in my training sessions is uh, I avoided potentially dying last summer. And I've never been so grateful for my Safe Start training in my whole life. It was the uh, Independence Day long weekend, same weekend as we have up here. And I'm from Canada, but the Canada Day long weekend. And we, I was or I was going camping with my wife and brother and sister-in-law and a couple of our friends. And we just sort of found a perfect ideal camping spot. And we like to go off-grid camping. So in British Columbia, we'll find a forestry service access road, map it out ahead of time because you lose cell service, cell reception as soon as you get off the beaten path. And this particular spot we chose was on a new lake and the, the access road was sort of one way in and one way out. And we knew that. And I knew that the fire conditions in British Columbia last year weren't ideal. It was like California. We had massive firestorms and I don't know, near half of the province seemed to be on fire at one yeah. point in time. So it was really hot and dry. And uh, we were going into, into the woods when there was only one way in, one way out. When we arrived at the campsite, it was beautiful overlooking a glacier lake and just really excited to get set up. So it took a few hours and sort of two to three to set up camp. And in that time, a thunderstorm had sort of rolled in on us and you could see it across the lake. It wasn't near us yet. And so I was keeping an eye on it, but then uh, still making camp. And I started cooking supper when I heard the, uh, just a, it was like an explosion, this loud crack and bang. And, you know, from the flash to the time that the, the thunder hit, there was, mm -hmm. there was no break. So you knew it had to be, had to be close. And I was looking around and couldn't see anything, couldn't see any smoke or anything like that. And so kind of, well, okay, we'll see what happens when about our business. And then I heard my wife scream, and she was down near the water with our dog and she was running up the beach and the panic in her voice told me that something was not okay. And I turned around and looked and just over the treetops, you could see a column of smoke rising just right wow. above us on the hill and a little bit down the road, the direction we needed to go to get out of the woods. And so I remember going into like a fight or flight mode style panic where you go okay you start your mind starts racing and it my safe start training kicked in and i said to everybody i i exclaimed loudly i said everybody move quickly but move intentionally keep your eyes and mind on task we don't have the ability to make a mistake yeah we don't have that flexibility here we've got to get we've got to get packed up and we've got to go and so we ended up taking two or three hours to set up the camp and maybe 10 minutes to tear it all down. And I have a rooftop 
tent on the top of my truck. So I was up and down the ladder, moving the ladder, pinch points, you'd name it. But the biggest thing was I was moving around trying to get the tarp over top of the tent and just going, you know, slow is steady, steady is fast, slow is smooth, right. smooth is fast. Yep. And self-triggering the whole way, but then making sure that we were all communicating the same boat. Um, and we had to drive quickly out of the forestry service road for sure. Now, tearing down the camp, that's one way where there could have been some injuries, but the drive out, if, if either myself or uh, my brother-in-law or friend, if they'd made a mistake with their vehicle along the way, that would have been a big problem because if you went off the road, when the fire with the fire that near you're in big trouble and thankfully just before going telling everybody like you know go quickly but keep your keep your brain switched on sure. just that communication alone we all got out we all were safe and later that that night the fire burned to 2000 hectares it burned right wow. through where we were I remember thinking this is the most grateful I've ever been to have had safe start in my life. Certainly it was in that moment. Sure. Yeah. I remember a few back, a few years back, I had someone at uh, one of our public workshops and I forget which one it was now. Uh, but he had been uh, in the fires that were up around uh, Fort McMurray. I think that was back in 2016, if I remember right. And I, I just recall him talking about how, as he was getting away from the fire there, how, how big of an impact rushing and complacency uh, really had on him in that time. And, you know, and in, in talking about how critical it was just to, to really stay focused and, and to be thinking very intentionally about every action you were doing during that time and every action he was doing in that time. And I'm sure you were the same way with that. So uh, that's got to be one of the one of the scariest things that I can imagine anybody going through, right. Is trying to escape from a fire like that. Yeah. Well, you're exactly right. You're, you're moving intentionally. So being able to self-trigger on your state and slow your mind down gives you an ability to make clearer decisions, but you're also reducing unintentional risk too, sure. because of any complacency or anything. Like it's hard to imagine that you could be complacent in that moment where there's a forest fire burning nearby, but, there's a form of complacency where you're just not thinking about what the task you're actually doing. You're thinking about the forest fire. So you're doing what your, whatever task it is with on autopilot. Right. And so for me, it was just to move intentionally, make better safety, safer decisions and effectively get out of the line of fire. But we don't always like, we don't all find ourselves stuck in a fire zone every day, do we? And for, so for me, it's the times I recognize preventing small mistakes and errors on a daily basis that I think means the most to me. When you count up all those little ones, the cumulative value by far surpasses the big ones. And although, yeah, there's a lot of risk involved with being in a fire zone and getting out of the way of that. I use safe start on a regular basis when skiing or working out or working in my yard. It's things like the self-triggering on rushing, which happened to me just the other day, just before running out to cross the road when I was out shopping. And it's just that quick little like spidey sense that gets you to trigger on the rushing. So you just slow things down a little bit, take a look. And 
I almost ran. I probably would have made it no problem, but I definitely decided to slow down and wait for the vehicle to pass that was coming down the road rather than just stepping out into the road. Things like that, testing your footing or grip for me is a big one because it helps a ton, especially considering I still can't fully feel my feet. I lose my balance all the time after my spinal cord injury when I got hurt skiing. So safe start for me, it, it improves my life on a daily basis. Let's, let's shift gears one more time here. Uh, as we start to kind of wrap up a bit here, uh, t- let's talk a little bit about some of the work you've done. I mean, you've had the opportunity to, to speak and to train with safe start now around the world in some, well, some pretty amazing locations. And I've heard a bit about the story of you training in a tent in Nigeria, which uh, sounded pretty amazing, pretty <laughs> challenging too, I think. Uh, but what's uh, hot. Yeah, you know, I can imagine. Wow. Yeah, there's hot and then there's hot, hot, right? And that was certainly mm-hmm. hot, hot. Uh, what is, uh, what would you say is one of the most exciting things that's ever happened to you on site would be, though? Well, the marquee tent in Nigeria, that was something else I can tell you, but uh, a very rewarding experience. And this example, it's not your traditional site per se, but I was in Ottawa, Ontario, training the Carlton Ravens men's basketball team uh, with Safe Start once. And they're the, they were national champions for six years in a row. So uh, a talented group of coaches and athletes. But I showed up to what I would call a toxic team environment in the gym on the first day because they were running some drills and some players were cheating in a game of King of the court and the players and coaches were wildly frustrated. I remember the coach watching from the sideline arms crossed and the captain of the basketball team. Well, I later found out he was the captain. He practically blew up or exploded a ball on the far opposite wall of the gym because he threw it away so hard. I remember when the ball hit the other wall, I thought it was going to explode. But this is, I walk into this environment just thinking perfect timing for me to take over. (laughs) So the coach introduces us and says, these are the, these are the guys that are going to talk to you about, about your physical mental states. And, uh, like frustration. (laughs) I remember it was hard, but we went into the classroom and we did our training session and it was a bit on rate your state that day. So about how to rate your state from scale of one to 10 on rushing frustration, fatigue, and complacency. And of course, focusing on frustration a little bit, and you'll see it when you get someone to rate their state for frustration. And if they say they're like an eight or a nine out of 10 for frustration, but they know a little bit about it, like the, like these guys did, because we'd educate them a little bit about how frustration can compromise your ability to make decisions and so on. You can see them ticking down from like an eight to a seven to a six to a five. And so it's a great self-regulation tool. Sure. And we went back into the gym where the team turned it all around. And this was the coolest part. They offered to do a slam dunk contest for us. (laughs) So I got to watch the uh, national champs, this whole team do a slam dunk contest because they were uh, they were obviously not frustrated anymore and back to performing as a as a well-oiled machine and that was pretty amazing. 
that's that's really nice you know and again gets back to that uh you know desired reliable outcome right they obviously want to be functioning at a very high level as a team and had done that but the frustration was causing them not to do that so taking that moment and just getting them to rate the state uh rate their state and think about that uh like you said, especially frustration, it just gave them the opportunity to just kind of dial it back, right? Uh, that's one of the great things with Write Your State, I think, is uh, just it gives you that opportunity there. If you are in a rush, uh, if you are frustrated, and those two in particular, I think, if you recognize those, it's like, okay, I just got to step it back. Now, fatigue, well, maybe that's a bit of a different one. You may have to stop and get some rest or something like that, but uh, certainly with, with those first two, it's it becomes a great opportunity just to self-trigger on that and just kind of take that step back, right? So, well, Mike, thanks so much for doing this today. It's always great to catch up with you and uh, a lot of fun to, to, to listen to some of the things that you've experienced. Thanks, Danny. My pleasure. This has been a lot of fun. All right, folks, if you'd like to reach out to Mike directly, uh, his email is pretty simple. It's mike.s at safestart.com. That once again, that's Mike.s as in Sierra at safestart.com. And I'll place a link for Mike's book in the show notes as well. It's a very inspirational read. I encourage you to take some time and, and take a look at that. And uh, just thanks for spending some time with us today. Uh, I'm Danny Smith for Safe Talk with Safe Start. Until next time, uh, take a moment, rate your state today, check, see where you're at on those four states, particularly as we were talking about maybe the rushing and frustration fatigue and complacency as well obviously but take a look and think about those and uh, kind of what you're going to be doing over the next few hours gives you a great perspective on maybe what you should be working on maybe some things you need to self-trigger on as well also a great time to be start continue to work on some of those safety related habits have a great day and we'll talk to you next time